What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA Show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Cold open question of the week, Kaz. What's up, Shoes? What were you thinking with that <laughs> trade on Monday? <laughs> what did you say? The elite go to WWE. I think that's the most offensive part. You had uh, Osprey and Rollins in AEW and then Nakamura to New Japan. People were offended by this. I'm offended that I wasn't more offended in real time. Let me let me tell you something, Dave. For everybody who was in the mentions questioning my GM prowess, questioning my ability to put together a wonderful wrestling roster, questioning my ability to properly find out box office talent at any means necessary. I can kiss my ass, man. I know. I feel like I know what Daryl Morey feels like now. I thought. I personally thought they were fair trades. You getting people? First of all, I didn't realize how many people undervalue Seth Rollins. Like wow. people are like people are like you were only getting Seth. I'm like motherfucker. I'm like it's, only Seth Rollins. Are you kidding it's me? Compel- yeah. Okay. So it's it's whenever people talk about oh wrestling fans to so the IWC or whatever, it's like we def- we're like oh it's not a monoculture. It's not a monolith. It's not. We all right. have different opinions, and yet. There was a part of me that was like, the people who say that we're overvaluing Seth, are they not the people who like wish Seth was in the main event six months ago? Like, yo, like they're probably, like, I guess they're different people. It's not like you guys don't have John Moxley on your roster, also. It's not like there's not stories to be told there. Like, no, not at all. It's, oh, it's not like you don't want to see Will Ospreay and Seth Rollins tear it up and not in WWE in the place where they can actually get maybe 40 to 50 minutes to rest. Oh, no, nobody wants that. And of course, okay, uh, the, the Swerve Goldberg trade. Let's talk. Let's talk about the elephants in the room. Okay. All right. I love Swerve. Matter of fact, I had a nice long conversation with Swerve after the mentions were going crazy on my Twitter. I was like, I was texting him about Wally Mania stuff. I said, two things, Swerve. I said, one, you have a lot of fucking fans. <laughs> and two, <laughs> and two, are you coming to Wally Mania? Yeah. So, um, no, we talked and he was just like, he said, not, not anymore. <laughs> 
<laughs> He's like, Yo, he hey, was, he was I can't flooded. be there. I can't be there, but I'll send Goldberg in my place. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to get AEW some star power. All right. You got a million great wrestlers on the planet, like under your umbrella. Don't you want some guys that people have heard of that we can <laughs> turn on the TV? Maybe you can crack more than a million and a half viewers on the ratings. Like, maybe. Don't you want to do... Like, as much as you talk shit about CM Punk, CM Punk gave you some of the best ratings you'll ever had. And ever since he's gone, you haven't really replaced that megawatt star power since then. Trust me, if... Swear, and, and the whole Hit Row thing, they're like, oh, there's no story to tell with Swerve and Hit Row. Of course, there's stories to tell about Swerve and Hit Row. The fact that he went on to become a massive, major success without him, without the group that he helped mm-hmm. start, is the story to tell. He's cocky. He's arrogant. He's going to come and rub it in their fucking faces and tell them, like, yo, look what I've done without you and all that type of shit. And then they go back and forth. And, of course, it's not the only storyline to tell, you idiots that were in my mentions for three days. There's millions of stories to tell. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you, is, is the Dustin Rhodes Swerve Strickland storyline, that's that's what you're holding on to? <laughs> Swerve and gold dust? That's the big fucking that's the big fucking faux pas that I had. Like, how dare you take Swerve out of this feud with a 97-year-old Dustin Runnels? How dare you? How mm. dare I? Sorry for trying to get you guys some goddamn star power and get people to watch your <laughs> show, okay? Jesus Christ. <laughs> and you I know what? Real, I, do I, the tra- I do the trade again. I do it again. I stand on it. I thought this was going to be what kind of thing where we said, like, guys, we're just making, like, like joke trades. Like, it wasn't that big. It's not that big of a deal. But I like that you've come all the way back around to just, no. like, I said it. I meant it with every fiber of my body. Let I would trade... You. I would trade want, Swerve for for you know Goldberg ten years from now. You need you know yeah. It's, it's do you want to get? Do, we can get really inside baseball real quick, Dave. You want to know what the honest, the honest, honest reason for the Swerve Goldberg trade? To make people mad on Twitter? No, <laughs> I meant to say Dustin Reynolds. <laughs> like I must, I meant to say Dustin. I'm like, who is Swerve feuding with? I'm like, okay, Dustin. Cody comes in, Dustin Goldberg goes over there, has the same thing. I'm like, okay, legend for legend. It kind of works out storyline. But you meant it to be Swerve, I mean, Goldberg for Dustin? I meant to say Dustin Rhodes. And then once I said Swerve, and we were just rolling, I just said, fuck it, let's just (laughs) roll. (laughs) I just said, fuck it, let's just roll. And like any proud man, instead of admitting to my mistake, I tripled down on that shit and made sure. That's the most, I had no idea. That's the most incredible part of this whole thing. And you know what? And I'll I'll make the trade again. Damn it. I don't care what none of y'all say. I can get out of my mentions, please. (laughs) I'm glad we talked this out. Everything makes a lot more sense now. Thank you, Dave. Let's start the show. What's going on, Jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. This is Roast Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. Husky, Steve Kazee. This is Trey Kirby. This is your girl, WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hi, this is Lillian Garcia. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to them. And you're listening you're to You're listening to You are listening to And you're listening, you're listening to You are listening to The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Welcome to The Masked Man Show with Kaz. How you doing, buddy? 
I'm doing good, my brother. How are you guys doing, man? Good, man. A lot of social engagement on those uh, on those on those fake trades. Um, so, it, uh, you know, we, we, I got a call from the management office and they said we could only do <laughs> trades from now on. That's it. <laughs> Our entire show is fake wrestling trades. So I hope Listen, you guys are buckled in. As, as long as you guys, I don't know if you guys have been watching the NBA trade deadline, but surprise, surprise, there's always a winner and a loser in these trades. Okay. Like love Kyrie Irving. Love him. I'm sorry. He's not no Spencer Dinwiddie or Dorian Finney-Smith. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's 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 kind of how these things work. Like, yeah, if you're a GM, whatever. Anyway, watch the trade deadlines. Lots of people get traded for players that aren't necessarily a perfect match anyway. But mm-hmm. if you're a good GM like me, you make it work, okay? And I would have made it work. I would make Swerve work with Hit Row. I'd make Goldberg work on TNT. I'd make the elite work on WWE, and I would make Will Ospreay and Seth t- Rollins work on AEW. Because that's the type what, of GM I believe in. I would mark out if Swerve made it come back to WWE to save Hit Row a line, and they were all dan- and they were all like celebrating together in the ring, and then. Those two big tatted up white dudes just came out of nowhere and d- just murdered <laughs> just the other murdered members of Hit Row. Right. What's that dude's name now? Snatch or oh, Ditch? 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 Yeah, that's Parker Bedrow and whoever the hell the other guy is. He used to be a baseball player, correct? Gulch? What is? Well, honestly, yeah, he used to be a. Ba- he didn't have the face tattoos, and he was a baseball player. He's been, it looks um, like he's been through some things. I saw like a before and after. I'm like, yo, what happened? But then, then and now, you know what I mean? But hey, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want to run into him into a dark alley. So I guess I mission know. accomplished. We have a lot to talk about this week. We're going to go through, uh, in honor of Dave Batista's stunning performance um, <laughs> in his new film, Knock on the Cabin, we're going to go through our favorite pro wrestler acting performances. That's going to be a lot it. of fun. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, we got had a big, a huge episode of Dynamite last night with one of the most uh, controversial booking decision endings that I can remember in some time. Before we get in, a, a, bun- a bunch to talk about from Raw, too. It's a big episode. Um, big, big promo. One of the, sheesh, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> but yes. before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about Jerry the King Lawler. He apparently suffered a stroke this week and, and um, you know, made to the hospital and is already in the process of recovery. Um, I spent, I don't know exactly. Um, I spent a long time thinking about what to say about Jerry the King Lawler, uh, yeah. and because to me, Jerry personally, on a personal level, Jerry is sort of emblematic of what we as grown grown ups who love this re- wrestling shit deal with a lot. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, Jerry's got a lot of baggage, you know, both in terms mm-hmm. of really potentially problematic stuff in his personal life that um i mean it's hard I'll to talk leave it about at that. and also but I mean? just like, his, his sort of personal his his public persona and the attitude era sort of you know uh was was hugely successful and but the you know the jokes that he was telling didn't eat none of them aged particularly well <laughs> um uh and you know he's a divisive figure for a lot of reasons um you know He's had on-air issues with our friend Peter Rosenberg, so there's, <laughs> there's stuff like that. He's just an odd guy for a lot of a lot of different ways, but yeah. for me, he was my—I mean, I, he was my childhood hero. You know, he was my um, uh, like him and Hulk Hogan were like neck and neck. Man, they came on right next to each other on Saturday mornings, and Jerry Lawler was was you know real to me. I mean, I, I listen. I'm a fantasy 
minded individual. I, I liked, you know, superheroes and and Hulk Hogan fit into that category for me. But I also liked, you know, more street level stuff. And uh, and Jerry the King Lawler was like the real human wrestler that I got to watch every week. And he's, you know, he meant a lot to me. You know, when he had his heart attack in the ring all those years ago, I went and went in person to to um, well, not Nashville, but just south of Nashville and in Tunica, Mississippi, to watch his first match back uh, in a casino. Uh, wrote a big piece about it on Grantland way back when, you know. And obviously, I've been writing and talking about just the concept of mortality and our heroes, our childhood heroes, uh, for a long time. When we were in Nashville for SummerSlam, mm-hmm. we were walking to the hotel, me and my wife and our little one, and uh, passed a, a hot dog, a food, a food truck of some sort that Jerry the King Lawler was getting food at. And I was like, holy shit, it's Lawler. And and my wife, Dom, said, you got to go get your picture taken with him. And I was like, no, nah, nah, that's the king that I love is a different king. You know, like mm. whatever. I don't need I don't need. And she was like, do you have a picture with him? I was like, no. She's like, have you met him? I was like, well, yeah, I said hi, but he doesn't know who I am. She's like, go get your picture taken with him. And so I did. I have that picture. Of course, sent it around to a bunch of people who know about my lifelong, I mean, my childhood, you know idolatry whatever of him mm-hmm. um and you know i'm glad i got my picture taken with him at a, it's a week like this right i mean it's it's a, it's a silly thing it's a small thing but it's you know he meant a lot he's part, one of the huge incredibly significant reasons to why that we're talking right now that i'm doing one, this thing one thousand percent anybody who talks wrestling owes a debt of gratitude to him Anybody, podcaster, commentator, whatever, however you feel about him personally, whatever you think his jokes, whatever, whatever, right? The fact that Monday Night Raw is as successful as it's been for as long as it has been, he's a big part of that. And I was, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little younger than you, Dave. And so my first, um, my first uh, interaction with Jerry Lawler. On my first, uh, you know, and not even interaction, but like the first time I even got into Jerry Lawler was his feud with Bret Hart, you know what I mean? And the kiss my yeah. foot match and like mm-hmm. being able to just kind of like talk his shit throughout this entire, you know, uh, his entire feud and still put Bret over as like a legitimate champion and, uh, you know, or an entertaining champion as well. You know, in addition to that, he's been extremely entertaining as far as, um, you know, commentary and just vital just to the soundtrack of what professional wrestling has been for the past 30 years, you know, and I don't want to eulogize him because, you know, they're, they're saying he's going to make a full recovery and thank God for that. But, you know, like you think about this type of stuff and it's like, damn, man, you're getting older. We're all getting older. And like, you know, you can just be in your, your, your front yard or your backyard or your, your, uh, your home and something just happens to you. And it's unfortunate, man. Like, so I'm praying for his recovery, man. Like, I think Jerry Lawler's an icon in this industry. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. um, he's one of those guys that if it wasn't for him, I think, you know, just as like the way we look at like guys like Shaq, Charles and Kenny and what they meant to basketball as far Mm -hmm. as like the commentary and being able to really digest it for people who watch at home and make it entertaining and fun. It's the same way I kind of look at Jerry the King Lawler, you know what I mean? Like being like one of the real first, in my opinion, and people that I remember 
I'm sure Gorilla Monsoon and all these guys, Pat Patterson, all these guys have done it before him, but he was like the first like true wrestler I seen like make that full transition into full-time commentary. Whereas a lot of people that grew up don't even remember him as a wrestler. They just remember him being like this, this uh, iconic commentator. So I'm hoping that he gets well and praying for his health and uh, praying for his family. And you know, it's tough, man. So I'm, I'm hoping for the best for him. For real. So, I mean, talking about his family, man, he was out there um, at his son's grave on Twitter not that long ago. I mean, he's been through, you know, he's he's had his, his fair share. So, um, yeah, uh, I, just, I totally agree. Yeah, um, man. He never stopped running shows. You know, I mean, that's one of the, he's, I don't want to eulogize him either, but that's, I mean, that's a significant thing, man. Vince came in, killed off all the territories, not Memphis though, because Jerry the King Lawler couldn't take a Saturday off. Even when he was working for WWE, he's still running out of there, you know, most of the time. And, um, yeah, just, um, yeah, I'm grateful for what he gave us and get what, what he's given me, what he gave me as a child and, and, uh, hope it gets better. Um, hope so too, man. Anyway, moving on, uh, AEW Dynamite was last night. So um, I guess we can start with that. Uh, what a, uh, Should we do? Just go reverse order or do you want to go in chronological order for AEW Dynamite? Yeah, let's let's you know what? I'd rather us go by level of importance. Let's start with. Well, how do you do that? I, the, the fact that the main event between the guns and the acclaimed went last and had a big finish. Does that make it most important? I would say so. It was definitely shocking. Well, hell, spoiler alert, the guns beat the acclaimed to be the new to become the new AEW tag team champions. Um, I had a very well, all of my viewing experiences are just weird because, you know, I'm a dad. I have a million things going on. But I so I I started watching AEW like 830. Okay, so I was playing catch up. I finally caught up and then. Right when the main event started, I let I'd stopped watching and I looked at my phone and all of a sudden people are just like losing their minds. I mean, literally like tweets of just like what the f just happened. Damn. And I was like, what? I don't even. I couldn't even wrap my head around what it could have been. Like I just assumed something. I assumed there was a totally separate storyline run-in situation. I thought that there was another piece of the MJF angle. I couldn't imagine what could have been that that uh, controversial. But of course, it was the guns winning. And then as soon as I realized the guns won, I was like, oh, did Billy? rejoin his kids are we doing that it was so weird to try to piece it together then i obviously just went back and watched and i was like oh okay so the guns what kind of cheated to win <laughs> not really i mean it was a little underhanded but i wouldn't call it cheating uh you know i don't hate the guns i actually like the guns man like i think the story makes sense for them to feud with the tag team titles over the acclaimed more than you know, it made sense for them to feud with like Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. As much as I'm a fan of Jeff Jarrett defying age and still being able to wrestle, um, but I'm never going to be mad at a young star or a young team getting an opportunity or like making a young star, or a young team and giving them an opportunity, right? Like the sure. guns are, you know, like it's, 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 I'm not, I wasn't as mad as, as a lot of people were because it kind of to me felt like that. They AEW, especially the beginning of this year, in the in the aftermath of the summer of punk and all of the I guess WWE sort of um uh people who have came over or not, they've made a, a specific effort to especially when it comes to their AEW championships, to make sure that they're AEW guys that are winning it and people that are gonna be 
pillars of their future, whether it's the tag team division, the world championship, uh, whatever, you know. Um, it feels like... Uh, I, I, it feels... It's going to feel weird because the acclaimed are so over, but, like, I'm never going to be mad at a result that makes people say, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, I'm never going to be mad mm-hmm. at a result that, like, gets the fans, like, truly shocked. They're truly, like, I didn't see that coming, you know? And... To me, I mean, as long as you can make a sense afterwards, that's always the point. You want to keep your fan base on its toes. You want to keep them feeling like anything could happen on any episode of Dynamite. And, you know, I think the story with the guns and their dad, Mr. Mr. Daddy Ass, I almost called Daddy him Mr. Ass. Rat. Yeah. <laughs> um, it makes more Mr. sense. Mr. Ass, yeah. Yeah, he's formerly Ass, 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 Esquire. Um, there is more meat on that bone of those teams feuding than many other teams feuding. Now it opens up the door for maybe FTR to return and become AEW Tag Team Champions or, you know, just to go back and forth with them in the Acclaimed or whatever. But, you know, uh, I still think the Acclaimed are... That's the beauty about being over, right? Like, you don't necessarily need the tag titles for people to care about you. And I think mission's been accomplished. Now, I don't think this is going to be the last time they hold the tag team titles. I'm sure it wouldn't shock me if they won them back or they kind of like feud for them for a while. But, you know, this is the second week in a row that there was another major title change on Dynamite. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's anything that you can do to get people interested. And I guess that's the benefit of having a bunch of titles, right? Like the title changes aren't as meaningful as like the main title. So if the TNT title changes hands a lot or the tag team titles change hands a lot, like it doesn't really rattle my bones as much as if like the world championship was changing every week on Dynamite. You know what well, I'm saying? Well, sure. So. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, It's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Listen, I think that I agree with you from an objective point of view. I think that the the react some of the the negative reaction to this I can associate with as well, which is. Yeah, you want unpredictability. You want to let the homegrown stars shine. And we saw what happened to the with the acclaimed or whatever. But you also have such a loaded tag division that and the guns just aren't there. You know, maybe <laughs> if they were maybe if there was a lot more interference, maybe if it felt like it was part of a bigger storyline, you know, maybe if it if it, I mean, it could not, be though. It could no, be it, though. I mean it, like it it could it could be. And and you know they could probably probably swap the titles back next week or revolution. You know whatever, mm. um, and the guns come out with a little bit of heat. I just don't. I think the execution was a little bit off. I'm going to be super. Uh, this is not what I'm about to say is not something I actually care about. But 
I'm going to admit my like super robot kayfabe wrestling fan brain just kept saying, how can you be a company that pretends it cares about standings and about, you know, the re- like real old school stuff and then just let a concussed referee be the only uh, official in the, can you not send would it would, would a company that cared about standings not have a backup referee in place to run down? Now I know this is on wrestling tropes or whatever, but mm-hmm. uh, the execution didn't didn't really do it for me either. Um, I guess Daddy ass didn't turn, so you know, good on that. But whatever. I mean, listen, uh, people are talking, and just like with our fake trades, engagement's always a good thing. Engagement's so, key. <laughs> I get, and, and, but here here's the here's the weird thing too is that. Everything leading up to that moment. I thought when the match started, I thought it was bizarre they were putting it on last, even though it was a title match, you know, because mm-hmm. there was so much other, the card was, the, the night was so, so full of great stuff that turned out to be exceptional stuff, even better than it looked on paper stuff. Right. And so I think that just like kind of in comparison to that, you know, this felt a little bit like one of those old school, yeah, TNT title swap finishes that's just sort of like, it's the icing on a mediocre cake sort of things, right? It's you go, we got to do something to pop the crowd because Let's we don't do have a lot to pop of pop the crowd to send them home happy. Yeah. yeah, but this is, but the card was so good. So we have MJF Takeshita, which was awesome, banger. MJF at various moments looks like an absolutely elite in-ring performer, um, and is certainly a really great in-ring performer. But there, man, it's it's cool to see him in there with someone like Takeshita, where he just can go toe to toe. And I mean, and at times you're just like, what are my look like? How incredible is this? That this is sort of like, I mean, MJF's always been underrated in the ring, but you you see like evolution in real time. You see how much this guy cares about it, you know? Yeah, and, um, I feel like I feel like MJF is like, I don't know if I don't know if he purposely does it, but like I've, I know you saw the the clip of the top rope lariat backflip into the you know ducking super kick mm-hmm. into you know what I mean, and it's just like. God damn, like MJF could lucha? He could lucha too. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, and he's so understated. He's got a little, if I'm going to be hypercritical, he's got, a, he's still got like a little, little bit of, he's doing it. He's a, he's a guy who's doing a wrestling thing when he does right. some of those moves, those, when he, when he luchas, as you said, you know, there's right, a little, right. a little bit of, cause he's, uh, you know, but this is not a thing. I mean, what are you? What am I going to do? Tell MJF he needs to snug it up. I mean, whatever. Like nah. he was so. It was so good. He's so so good. He's I think just MJF such. MJF is just like he's the best thing about MJF is that like he talks so much shit that you and he doesn't wrestle often enough mm. to back it up. You know what I'm saying? But like when he does wrestle, he does some shit that makes you go, "Oh shit." Yeah. Okay. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, and that's kind of the the special thing about him is like he's such a good talker, and he t- and he just everything about him is his promos and the shit he says and him crossing the line and all that that you forget that like even down to the fact that like when he's like in his ring gear he looks bigger than you expect mm-hmm. he looks he's stronger than you'd expect and now he's more athletic than you'd expect you know what I mean like it's almost like he undersells and over delivers every single time because he talks so much trash. That you just think he's just a shit talking guy and can't really go, but he can go, he can go with the best of them, and he proved it last night, man. So yeah. uh, you know, it's hard to not be a fan of MJF, bro. Um, it's it's I mean, really incredible, really incredible. Um, 
Even the so post-match promo was... The one backstage? Yes. Yeah. Even that was kind of insane. You know what I mean? Like, uh, got Liv Morgan trending for some odd reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um... It's 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 the I whole wasn't watching I wasn't watching trending topics at the time was yes. why is there a computer printer on a folding table in this room a trending topic <laughs> I did not even notice that Dave I, was, I, I, I you might have been the first person to catch that before I <laughs> why is this sweaty man sitting on a leather couch is that a right. trending topic <laughs> it's not a big deal if he's a rich dude who can like you know who cares what happens to this couch I can buy a million of these couches or like whatever but like he wasn't in a luxurious room. He was in a. No. Uh, if it was a boiler room, if someone compared it to a boiler room, if it had been a boiler room, that would have had some character to it. They found the most character free room in the entire United States of America and put the biggest character in the country <laughs> into it. It's the, it was a very strange, very odd juxtaposition. Very anyway. Odd. Very very odd. Um, but yeah, hell of a promo. That part was just I mean just out of this world good. Um, and then the whole Daniel, uh, uh, Brian Danielson thing ties into that. Um, uh, Danielson ends up having a match against Roosh later on. There was blood at the, uh, just to, to, to make sure we have the blood, the blood checklist down. Yes. Uh, MJF blood. bloody Takeshita with the, with the ring, uh, in a, with a, a post-match beatdown, And then Danielson and Roosh fought. Danielson was bleeding. Uh, I think cut his head on the way to the ring or something. He was just gushing blood the entire time. Just kidding about that. <laughs> Fact checkers. Um, and man, Danielson and Roosh might have had like the best eight. I mean, that is definitely like a top. I'm not even going to go through the list. Top three AEW television match since their oh, inception. Yeah. That flip onto the ringside apron. And the blood splattering on the camera. Onto the lens. camera. Oh, gosh. I've never seen anything like that. That was insane. That was truly insane. And then they went and, to picture in picture and didn't change. I was like, well, they'll change the camera angle. Now they have an opportunity. They can chamois it off or whatever. No, yeah. they, just, they just left it on. Let it rock. Let it rock. It made, and as the camera good. went in and out of focus, the blood would like reappear. Just like, <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, one of the greatest Fantastic. matches. One of the greatest Fantastic matches. Those two guys... I just can't even say enough. I don't even know what to say. I was very excited to see this match. But Roosh sometimes, man, Roosh, it's easy to forget his legacy as an in-ring performer because there's all this other kind of nonsense all around it. Mm -hmm. And there's um, so many things that happen, you know, not just with Los in in, in Garbanables, you know what I mean? Like, not I'm just going to leave that with that. you. I might have, I might, I might have, I might have butchered that pronunciation, but um, you know, like him, Andrade, Bandito, like they're so physical, like, and if you like hear, like, listen to specific things that like other people say about them, most of the, I guess, drama that comes with working with them, if you listen to like other wrestlers talk about it, is that maybe they're a little too stiff, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Brian Danielson's a crazy man. He's a psycho plant lover. And he loves that shit. <laughs> and you can even see in, like, that exchange where they're, like, slapping each other in the face and he gets slapped. And, like, instead of, like, 
in most situations that I've seen, when there's like a back and forth, not necessarily like a a a, a, a you know a chorus of attacks, you could tell there was a little bit of no, stop, let me go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you could see in Rush's Rush's face that he's like, yeah, yeah, like this is what I like. He's getting slapped across the face, getting slapped across the chest, like hard. You yeah. know what I mean? And he's giving it just as much as he takes it. So it's like those like like matches like that when. There's just two trust. This trust between two performers to just beat the shit out of one another for the betterment of the match, and yep. two guys, especially like Danielson, who probably hasn't gotten to do that in a long time. I mean, he's gotten to do it in, in AEW, but you could tell like every week out, he's just like, "Who can I just have a match where someone could, we could just beat the shit out of each other?" You know what I mean? Like it feels like that's what he's been doing, and I think this has all been culminating into what Brian Danielson's ultimate plan always is when it comes to wrestling. And that's putting younger people over. And I think right now he's with all these <laughs> matches that he had leading up to revolution, he's primed to give MJF the match of his life. And yeah. you know, the match that really makes him a legitimate world champion and a guy who could stand on top of the company as the face of your company. So I'm really excited for the revolution match now. Like it took me a while I know um, I've been on record saying I wasn't a big fan because I knew MJF was going to win. And how were you going to pull me in to mm-hmm. get me excited about this? Knowing that like Brian Danis is probably not going to win the world title. They did it. You know what I mean? Like they've done it because the story has been endurance. The story has been great matches. And now that's what you need in an Ironman match. You need endurance and you need to be able to keep people engaged for an hour. And I think Brian Danielson and MJF are primed and ready to do something that they haven't, nobody's really done in AEW quite yet. And that's have like a classic hour long engaging world title match yeah. uh, for, for, for all the marbles with a star like, like Brian and MJF. So I'm really looking forward to it now after last night. Yeah. So am I. What a freaking match, man. Um, yeah. So that was pretty incredible. Um, we also had uh, uh, Ricky Starks, um, almost defeating the Garcia Guevara gauntlet, only to be, um, only for uh, to be for his for his dreams to be dashed by the interference of a masked person in the audience who turned out yeah. to be Chris Jericho with a rather lackluster spinning elbow. Um, uh, it's a fun storyline though. Uh, I, I'm, I'm. You know, it's fine. It's fine. Jamie Hayter looked great in her match. Um, uh, the Elite looked good in their match, but man, they made Air Fox and Top Flight look fantastic. Um, it was a really, really good night of AEW programming. Um, and I'll just say this to bring it all full circle: to have that much, to, the fact that they had that much stuff over, and then put the guns winning the titles in the main event. I gotta kind of respect it. I kind of, and now I'm interested to see where it goes because it's there's no, there, this is no like, oh, this is all we had. They had a lot more stuff, and they decided, mm-hmm. and, and and they decided to focus on that. And uh, so, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens from here. Uh, let's take a couple of days uh, back step and talk about Monday Night Raw um, because we must discuss the Cody Rhodes Paul Heyman promo, maybe. Ooh. I mean, I'm not going to rank this shit. Paul Heyman's got his own 
uh, his own wing in the Wrestling Promo Hall of Fame. But geez, Louise, man. Cody started talking about his dad. I loved how he opened up his little bit. And it was like, my dad had a nickname for you. My brother had a nickname for you. <laughs> I don't, I'm glad he didn't say what they were. He might have gotten yeah. canceled. Um, <laughs> but talked about how much Paul Heyman and, and ECW meant to Dusty, his father, and how much that meant to Cody. Um, seemed to really affect Paul Heyman. It seemed like he was really choked up by the whole thing. And then Heyman came out and he was just like with the greatest, maybe the greatest just teared out of all time, especially if you're to someone like Cody Rhodes, which is just like, mm. he told me you were his favorite son, but Roman Reigns was the son he always wanted or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it was just freaking amazing. And we, and, and, you know, in pro wrestling, there's, there's moments, you know, there's moments where you see, you see a match where you go in, you're just like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this dude. And by the time the match is over, you're like, that's one of the, my five favorite wrestlers. You know, like yeah. that's like, like, like whatever just happened, changed the game for everything. I think the wrestling, I think wrestling fandom united as a whole went into Monday Night Raw saying, best case scenario, I'm fine with Cody versus Roman, but let's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to this other stuff, this bloodline stuff right now. Worst yeah. case scenario was just like, dude, there's no way in a million years you're going to sell me on this feud. I'm going to, or like, yeah, I'll sit back and applaud. I like, I like Cody well enough, but like, you're, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way you're going to sell me on Cody versus Roman mattering a fraction as much as the bloodline storyline with Sami Zayn. And those two dudes on Monday night went into the ring without Roman Reigns mm-hmm. and made the W made the WrestleMania main event matter to everybody. Yeah. That's yeah. that is a fucking huge. That's that's momentous. That's a that's a moment. You know why it worked so well. It's because as much as the Sammy storyline, as great as it is, has been about this year and everything they've been through this past year, uh-huh. the Cody storyline and the Heyman wrinkle in there does what any wrestling fan is happy to see. And it rewards you for paying attention, not just this year, but over several years. It's a storyline that ties in ECW NXT, now, AEW, here, his Rhodes family, this entire Bloodline and Sammy story, Mm -hmm. it's all culminating now. And that's what you want to do. Like, the best thing you could have done for this is making sure that the main event isn't distracted by anything else. Anything that goes around WrestleMania should do nothing but supplement what the stakes are for this main event. You got mm-hmm. the two year plus long world championship run. You got Cody Rhodes returning from injury, returning from AEW, returning from being let go or quitting several years ago. You got the added fact that his father helped really shape this entire generation of professional wrestlers. Like, from AEW to WWE, Dusty's DNA is literally everywhere. And no more is it more prevalent than in his son. And everybody mm-hmm. sees it, right? Like, mm-hmm. if, if if you're going to be as influential in creating so many stars, and your son has the opportunity to be the biggest star out of all of them, 
what better way to get people to really want to see that motherfucker fulfill his promise than saying like, hey, you're great, but you're not as great as your dad's prized pupil, which is this guy who's been champion for 900 something days. You know what I mean? And as fucked up as it sounds, kind of sounds like something Dusty probably would have said, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. kinda like, at that time, like, you got to remember, this is Shield Roman. They're still trying to figure him out. Like, he's 1,000% already been tapped as, like, the next guy in that entire company. And at that time, Cody wasn't the American Nightmare. He wasn't any of this stuff yet. He was yep. still just kind of figuring himself out, you know? So there was this tent. There was, I mean... God bless Cody for being able to really act through that. But there was the sense of realism and the sense of honesty that really came from no matter how far you've come, Cody, you're still not this guy. You know yep. what I mean? Like, so that's what made me go, all right, we're here now. Now this is what's going to, you got six or seven weeks to get me ready for this. Now I'm really fucking excited. This yeah. it was, it was a great promo. And I don't, again, not going to rank him in promos at all. But it's got to be, it's got to be in the upper echelon of of the of the promos he's ever cut in his life. It's got to be at least in the top, in the conversation. It's in the room, it's in the room of like his best shit that he's ever done. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think if you probably took all of Heyman's stuff, in some ways it might. I mean, you could put it in the top five. You could maybe it's maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe you have a computer algorithm that ranks the stuff. Maybe this is maybe. middle of the road. Maybe this is you know in the in the late twenties or something like that. But what really makes it sing is dance partner. Right. Just like in a wrestling match, it mattered because of who he was saying it to and what that person was saying and how that person was reacting. Cody Rhodes, God love him, has been crying since he got back to WWE. But you know what (laughs) mattered in that promo? The crying. No, him holding in the tears. Mm. Right. Him, him like with like biting his lip, basically. His like lips quivering and reacting to some of the shit Paul was saying. Yeah. Because there's still um, that respect there. Like, he opened the fact that he said, I'm only going to call you Mr. Heyman because at a time where my dad needed it, you gave him his confidence back and I'll never be able to repay you for that. So even as pissed off as he was, that little, like, angry march towards him to get in his face with the fucking spotlights on top of him as he's, like, in his face telling him, like, listen, all I want to do is win a world championship and everybody wants to make this personal. And now he did it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, whew, I forget. I forget how dramatic Cody can get, man. I forget how good of a story he can tell when he's got the right players to tell him with. And now, man, I'm excited to see Raw. I'm excited to see SmackDown. I'm excited to see where they take this from there because it's only going to escalate now when you got when Roman finally gets involved and there's finally that face-off and we see what happens with Sammy. Everything's going to culminate into this match. And uh, we'll see how it goes, man. Like, I could almost even see a situation where Cody has the locker room because of Dusty's influence and being like, yeah, like, we love, like, Roman's great or whatever, but mm-hmm. like, we fucking love Dusty, man. And like, do it for him, you know? <laughs> like, so I could see, I could, s- incredible, incredible promo. I'm so excited to see where this thing goes. Yeah, same. Same. I mean, if they just did that in one night, imagine what they have the potential to do uh, over the next month or so. Um, and the big finish of the night, we finally got, we finally got the Bailey um, Becky Lynch Steel Cage match. 
um, that had been delayed. Uh, didn't occur to me that it had been delayed. It seemed like it had been delayed because of TV time remaining. Maybe it was delayed because of travel plans for <laughs> the special guest. Who knows? Becky finally has a friend in her crusade against damage control. And that friend is Lita. Where are you on Lita being back in WWE for a WrestleMania run? Sounds good to me, man. I've always been a big Lita fan. Uh, she's definitely a Hall of Famer. The GOATs, one of the GOATs of and Trailblazers. Truly a woman's wrestling. And my God, if we can fantasy book wrestlers, like male wrestler legends all the time, like why not oh, the yeah. women? You know what I'm saying? Like we could fantasy book Stone Cold Steve Austin's and The Rocks and Cena's every year. Now we're getting to the point where it's like, okay, like, now the women are going to be just WrestleMania-level attractions. You know what I'm saying? Like, the leaders of the world, the Trishes of the world, the Bella Twins. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's now a whole generation of OG-status women that can help heighten any sort of rivalry right now. They're doing it with Beth Phoenix on the Judgment Day side yep. as well. You know, they're doing it with Lita now. And um, it's a good move for them. You know, it's a good move for Becky. Uh, would I, and it's weird too, because I think in the, in the opposite situation, like in the male situation, you would think, well, who, who's, who's being elevated in this? I'm like, clearly it's EO and Coda, right? Like mm -hmm. you're, you're in this ring with three of the most decorated, iconic women's wrestlers of all time. So I don't want to hear people saying like, oh, why Lita? She, Becky should have like tapped in like some young person who can use the shine or whatever. It's like, nah, man, Lita is still... A no, I mean, listen. There's a there, there's company. a there's a there, uh, no. There's a kayfabe argument here. It's just like sure. Becky. Becky's not short on friends, even in storyline and kayfabe. Right. right. I mean, could Bianca Belair not come help her out for 15 minutes? She's too busy just like cutting complimentary promos about her <laughs> elimination chamber opponents. But you know, this is part of a storyline, right? And it is yeah. about putting it is it, it is about getting the rest of Damage Control over and telling a really cool WrestleMania story. Um. Uh, maybe more importantly, speaking about getting young, uh, younger stars over, uh, do you see Bailey on NXT? Uh, I did, oh my God. And her little makeshift uh, uh, barbershop where she, where the, the, the two ladies of toxic attraction met there or split up, I guess. I I'm so happy that NXT has literally just turned into like the Shawn Michaels callback show. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, uh, I kind of, it might have been more brutal, brutal than the barbershop window. Like, first off, like, Bailey, could you, like, unlock the door? Like, unlock the door. <laughs> like, she threw him through that door, and that deadbolt did not budge at all. You know what I'm saying? And I kind of feel like she tried to uh, stomp her through it so it would go through, and that still didn't budge. And it just resulted in a a real fucking curb stomp of a stomp <laughs> against that door, which... Might have been more memorable than anything uh, of that feud. Weirdly, I think it is. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of like Zapruder film breakdown of what the door being backwards and whose fault it was and whatever else. If this, I don't think it. I don't have any reason to think it was on purpose. But if it was on purpose, this was brilliant because it actually was more brutal and more disgust and more, you know. Gigi Dolan's like you know the, the pictures that she put around of her the bruise under her eye it means so much more because she did it the hard way you know um, and everybody every wrestling fan in the world now knows that you know a potato 
an accidental punch to the eyeball is is a lot means is a lot more is a lot more severe than a you know swanton off the top rope or whatever you know i mean and so that that kind of stuff matters it's a it's again i don't know if it was on purpose i kind of doubt it was but the results are real um do you want to do uh do you do you want to do pro wrestling actors I so do. Yes. Yes. So, Let's get into it. So Batista has a new movie uh, out called Knock on the Cabin, which I must admit I haven't seen. But uh, we decided to use that opportunity. I'm going to I cannot wait to see it. Um, <laughs> going to use that opportunity to rank our favorite, not our favorite pro wrestlers turn actors, but our favorite pro wrestling actor performances, which will probably end up being more about pro wrestlers turn actors more broadly. Um, we're just going to this is a no holds barred, no pun intended sort of conversation. So let's just talk about our favorite ones. Do you want to do a list? Do you want to start at number five? And then if we have overlap, we'll just go ahead and, you know, I'll say, oh, I had him at number three. Let's do it that way. Why don't you All do, right. we'll do top five. Um, This is super objective. And there's definitely yes. some where I'm doing body of work. Like we've got to put these ideas together. Let's do, mm. oh, one, two, three, four, five, six. How many do you have? Five? I have six. All right. I have, I have five I have, honorable mention. I have six too. So let's do our honorable mentions. My honorable mention goes to the one and only Big Daddy Cool, Kevin Nash. Ooh. All yes. right. Kevin Nash, wrestling's king of one liners in movies you heard of. Um, he's played Shredder. He's played in The Longest Yard as a guy who's lacking a lot of testosterone. But I got to give him his honorable mention for Magic Mike. Yeah. And his performance the, right in there. Answer. He absolutely stole the show there. Um, not, you know, in the, any other ways that I would in, enjoy the show being stolen, if you've seen that movie. But Nash was great in it. Uh, he's, you know, he's a big, handsome motherfucker, man. So, like, it's it's not shocking that he... Uh, kills it anytime he gets this, these like hilarious cameos in movies. You know what I'm saying? And he just seems like he's still all these years later. He still seems like the coolest guy in wrestling. You know what I mean? So, uh, and he killed it in Magic Mike. So my honorable mention goes to Big Daddy Cool Kevin Nash. Uh, in that flick, um, not on my list, but he was on my long list, obviously. Okay, uh, and okay. and Magic Mike is the right answer. I'm gonna Thank give you. my number six. To this is you know honorable mention, um, probably the most controversial name on my list for uh -oh. the performance too. But I'm gonna uh -oh. give it. I'm gonna. I'm, uh, he needed to be on here, so I'm gonna give number six. Gonna give honorable mention to the immortal Hulk Hogan. Oh, <laughs> Hulk Hogan's got Brian Waters. Producer Brian Waters is flexing in the background. Uh, David, it is February, Dave. Uh, <laughs> I'd just like to remind you. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Listen, Hulk Hogan has made almost exclusively terrible movies, and his performances have been almost exclusively terrible. <laughs> so I'm, I'm giving, but I, but I am willing to give him the number six honorable mention award for his performance in. A lot of people have Rocky three on these lists. I will only, I'm only going to put him on the list as number as honorable mention number six for his performance in No Holds Barred. If Nice. You pretend that No Holds Barred was a deliberate comedy. There is, if that was on purpose, one of the greatest acting performances of my lifetime. 
Anyway. Yes. Uh, number five. What's your number five? My number five. Rest in heaven, you legend. The Macho Man, Randy Savage. <laughs> in the original Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. As Bonesaw. Bonesaw is ready. Uh... I mean, where would the the genre of superhero movies even be if it wasn't for Spider-Man 1? And if it wasn't for Macho Man Randy Savage versus Tobey Maguire in a steel cage match while Spider-Man is just finding out his powers. I mean, what a phenomenal performance. A killer, killer cameo in that match. And you know what? Maybe if Macho Man pulled the Hulk Hogan and wasn't trying to sell for, for Peter Parker, maybe the robber doesn't get away from Pete, and maybe Uncle Ben is still alive. I don't know. If Macho Man went into if Bone Saw went into business for himself, maybe we don't even get Spider Man. Maybe Peter Parker just becomes the greatest luchador in the history of luchadors. I, I don't have I don't have uh, Macho on my list. Uh, although I would say. You know, anything, anytime you give a performance that becomes an eternal meme, like, you know, you should, that's almost better than an Oscar. 1000%. Uh, uh, but I was thinking about him as I was putting my list together. Um, cause I, I feel like with a hundred percent certain, sorry, I just got a text. If mm. I, I feel like I can say with a hundred percent certainty that if he were alive today, he would be on a show. He would oh, be, yeah. he would have like a major part in like a prestige drama on the Paramount Network or HBO or something like that. Like Randy Savage, the actor was a huge, had so much potential. And and, and listen, it's sad that he's gone for a million reasons. Huge loss for a lot of reasons, but man, he could have been, he could have been a great actor. Anyway, my number five um, is, this is where we're going to get, start getting the overlaps. At number five, I have John Cena. Hmm. Uh, Peacemaker is really hard to ignore. Yes. But a lot of these are like, you know, with The Rock, I'm not, there's not a, like a moment, there's, my, my pick, you know, it's not like about the revelation that he's great, but for Cena, it is. When he was in Trainwreck, it changed my perception of him mm, more than like him wrestling CM Punk. It's and so John Cena in Trainwreck is my number five. Nice. That that's a little overlap there, but that's not the movie I want with. I'll 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 get to Cena later. All right. What do you have for number four? Number four. One of the greatest wrestlers of all time. WrestleMania headliner many times over. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh. Playing the racist running back in the longest yard. <laughs> now, Stone Cold Steve Austin is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And if it ever turned out that the Texas Redneck was every bit the gimmick he was and uh, was an actual racist, that would truly break my heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because that man played a racist so good in that movie. <laughs> like, anytime- you know, they say the best, uh, yeah, the best characters are yourself with the volume turned Hey, you know? hey. We're not doing that to my man, Stone Cold. But uh, anytime Christian McCaffrey gets a touchdown, that that video of Stone Cold Steve Austin taking off his helmet and yelling at Nelly saying, that's how a Watt man runs a football, goes super viral. (laughs) That's a great performance. I really, really love it. I thought about 
putting Austin in for the condemned because that's one of my favorite movies that we'll talk about on this list. Mm-hmm. But when as I started trying to do a top five, I just decided some of this real paint by numbers action stuff, I couldn't get Austin on the list. It's the same reason I couldn't get Ventura on the list. You know, like <laughs> I love these movies more than some of the movies, these performances, the, the movies that have the performances we're ranking, but I I I, I couldn't get there. Um same thing goes for just tough guy standing in the background performances. Um, <laughs> even though, so, like, like so if you no, want to talk no about Roman Reigns and in, in the Hobbs and Shaw, is what you're saying? Well, maybe not, <laughs> but yes, yeah, certainly not that. Uh, but, but you know, even if you're talking about just like some, what are the best movies that like got scribbled in the margins of this list? I mean, if I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Killing, the Kubi, the Kubrick film, Cola Quarini is an incredible old school wrestler that plays like a tough guy in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, of course, uh, the semi-famous Lenny Montana was uh, in The Godfather. Lucas Braz. Uh, this is important, you know, film history. Not as important for pro wrestling, but you know, I, I said one time when I wrote about Andre the Giant in my book, I said before there was CGI, there was only Andre. You know, because he had all these roles, and and that was true for a lot of guys back then. You know, you 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 wrestler, you you look like that. You can be a wrestler, and you can be a a golem lurking in the background. But anyway, um, <laughs> couldn't get there with Austin, uh, but love Austin's. I mean, love, I do. The Longest Yard is a really fun I movie. I love and, The Longest Yard so much. It's one of those movies that's on all the time on TV, and I'll always at least watch like 15 minutes of it before I change the channel. Yeah. <laughs> um, was that your number? Th- what was that your number four? That was my number four, yes. M- my number four could have been my number three, could have been my number, it could have been literally anything at this point it just becomes a matter of what mood i'm in but my number four is 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 andre and the princess pride mm, classic 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 i Love mean that. no 100 commitment um you know you know all the stories he could barely like you know had barely any strength in his body when he's filming this but his i mean Talk about just transforming a transformative performance ever no even the most diehard wrestling fan we talk about the Princess Bride in the first sentence, talking about Andre the Giant's life, you know, and 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 certainly as far as crossover goes, I don't think anybody endeared themselves to every person that's ever like pushed play more than Andre <laughs> in that movie. I mean, it's just what a what a great performance. All right, what do you Love got for that. number three? Number three, we're gonna get a little controversial. All right, John Cena. Okay, four. Not for the Suicide Squad. Not for Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Not for Trainwreck. Oh, no. I'm going with John Cena's OG cinema debut, The Marine One. <laughs> Classic shoot 'em up, blow 'em up. Oh, my God. Side scrolling, like if Contra was a real movie type of action. People think I'm trolling. Like, my wife thinks I'm trolling every time I say how much I love the Marine. Anytime the Marine is on TV, first off, what you got to know. I, you got to know. First off, like, Fast and the Furious is like my Casablanca, okay? Like, anything yeah. that's just mindless action, I'm like, yeah, this is my shit. Let's go to it. And the Marine is nothing but nonstop, countless, mindless fucking action non-stop i love the marine i love seeing it in it you may have thought that train wreck was when you 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 changed you might have even thought when you faced cm punk that that man was a star 
I knew that man was a star when he was jumping out of exploding buildings into water and cursing and doing all types of craziness. I fucking love them. I, I think I'm not even trolling. I think the Marine is an objectively fun, good action flick. If the Marine came out in like 1995, if the Marine came out in 1995, that shit would be a bona fide classic. I guarantee you. We'd be talking about John Cena in the same breath as Schwarzenegger, right? Like at least Bruce Willis. At least you don't think John Cena? Can, at least Bruce Willis. At least Dolph Lundgren. Come on. He could have. Um, like yeah. Cena would have definitely gotten to like uh, a Die Hard three at that point, right? <laughs> like, I don't have anything to say about in. this. This is the only, the only. This is this is worse than Brian's Bruce the Barber beefcake take. Everybody <laughs> else in the show is just sitting in disbelief. You did not love the Marine, really. What was the like, one where he was like uh, trapped behind the? He was like a soldier in Iraq, and there he's trapped behind a little w- wall. The whole movie. Oh gosh, there was a uh, oh, man. I know what you're talking. Like serious one. I don't even remember. Anyway. Uh, John Cena, one of our great actors, without a doubt, certainly is shockingly, shockingly able. Loved it. Uh, and versatile actor. Um, Marine One, not on my list, but uh, more power to you. <laughs> uh, I can't believe you really don't love the Marine One. I think my it's... number, my number three. Now, I mean, it's a good movie. I, it's just it's kind of. <laughs> I just feel like in all of the Cena picks you could have made, like, yeah, it just it doesn't hold up. Like Peacemaker, I feel like he's playing the perfect. Peel tweeter, yeah, yeah, the meathead where it's like he thinks he's a good guy, everybody else thinks he's a piece of shit, which is like yeah. pretty much who John Cena was <laughs> as yes. a wrestler. And so, like, that's a performance for me. I was surprised that you went with the Marine. That's all, man. Yeah, love the Marine. It's <laughs> a shock. You don't get the peacemaker without the Marine, though. Facts, I'm telling facts. you, it started it all. Started it all. My fault. Go <laughs> ahead, guys. Number three, I have it's like a multi way tie. Number three is The Rock. I can't figure out. I, I went through all this stuff. You know, I think my, I think that my, I almost went with Hobbs and Shaw because it's just like pure undistilled rock, a pure mm-hmm. distilled rock. Like, uh, like that's just The Rock being The Rock in his most pristine form and it, mm-hmm. it is the height of his power. And there's a lot of The Rock in that movie. Central Intelligence is also a great one just in terms of like, Look at how magnetic and how complete this dude is. Um, you can, I mean, but even going back to Rundown, um, I wrote a long piece about The Rock back at Grantland and went through, watched every movie he had done up till that point. Faster, Snitch, more recent mm-hmm. stuff like Skyscraper. Um, uh, there's a lot of a lot of potential in there, but I got to go with my favorite movie that The Rock was in, which also had an absolutely elite rock performance, which is Pain and Gain. Yo, that was my pick. That was my pick. Yeah, Pain and Gain, Mark Wahlberg, The Rock. Uh, I love that movie so much. I think um, that was like the moment that I seen like The Rock play like an imperfect character for the first time. Mm -hmm. And he was so good in it. He was so fucking funny. The story itself was really interesting. I mean, Mark Wahlberg was phenomenal in there as well. That's 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 my rock pick, man. I loved I loved, loved 
when I wrote that piece about The Rock forever ago, one of the things, the, 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 my critiques of a lot of the movies he was in, like, I don't know if you've ever seen Snitch, but like his brother gets caught with some, like, in like a drug ring or something. And he's got a, he's like a trucker and pretends he has to like pose as something to go bail him out. And yeah. he, wa- he walks into the office of this drug lord. And he's like bigger than all the bodyguards. And I was like, <laughs> all I ask is that when The Rock walks into the room for the first time, somebody sees The Rock for the first time, if you're not playing a monster, some, the, someone, the, a human being needs to acknowledge, like, look at this huge dude, this right? Like, oh human. my God, that guy, yeah. you're a trucker? You're the size <laughs> of a cartoon character. The good, that's what kind of makes so, a role like Pain and Gain, and also to some extent, the whole Fast and the Furious franchise, such a liberating viewing experience when you're watching The Rock because it's like built in. He's that big for a reason in this movie, you know, and it's, I don't know, I, but I love that movie. Love um, it. All right, what's your number two? My number two, I'm going to go with, let's see, let's see, let's see. There's two left. I don't know which one to go with first. Okay. This might shock you because this is a Dave Batista pick. Wait a second. I got this right. Wait, so this is two. I said Cena, Marine, The Rock painting it. So I guess this is my last one, right? Because, you know, this would be my... I had The Rock number one as my painting game, so it kind of took the steam oh, okay. out of that. But my number two, Dave Batista, not in Knives Out, not in this latest movie, Guardians of... If you haven't seen it yet, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Christmas special on <laughs> Disney+. Plus. <laughs> you know, it was the most we've gotten to see Drax be Drax and be this hilarious, in-on-the-joke sort of meathead, but with a heart of gold. Like, the whole movie is them kidnapping Kevin Bacon just to make Star-Lord happy. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't drag you into a movie, I don't know what will. I loved, loved that. I think it was a little under underappreciated, you know what I mean, when it came out. But Batista was excellent in it, and I think it was underappreciated because we kind of, I think we all kind of know that this is his last sort of ride as um as uh as as Drax uh coming up so man I loved him in that movie so just so we're clear just so we're not confused number one the rock and painting game number two Batista Guardians of the Galaxy the Christmas edition love it um I God that's a really good pick <laughs> I have Batista and Guardians of the Galaxy I couldn't pick between other ones, so I just went with Guardians of the Galaxy 1 uh, because of the sort of revelation factor in that, too, um, yes. and how much he just sort of held that down. The reaction that he got for that was incredible. Um, and I had him at number one. My number two, so yeah, anti, anti-climax city here. Number two, <laughs> I have Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh, uh, yeah. Come on, I actually live. loved... Yeah, for They Live. I I watched Hell Comes to Frogtown as a kid a lot more. It's way more formative for me. Love his performance in that. Came really close just to straight up nominating him for his run in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But <laughs> your They Live is the right answer. So that that's my number two. Um, but And yeah, and, and, and Dave Bautista is number one. And will probably replace himself at number one um, with his new film and probably again and again with everything that he does after that. So, I mean, he's just he's just a treasure. Did not. Uh, by the way, other honorable mentions. I should have mentioned when I was talking about strong guys standing in the background roles, should have mentioned Terry Funk, who had who had important appearances, important to me as a kid and now in both Roadhouse and Over the Top. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And 
also left out side category the totally passable horror movie performances of both Kane and Hornswoggle. Um, uh, was there anybody else? Oh, and and you know, can't quite you can't totally throw out. I mean, Edges. Sasha Banks. Yeah, Sasha well, Banks, I was gonna say Edge's twenty TV stuff, Peacemaker. Sasha and the Mandalorian edges 25 episode run on Vikings. Um, I think that the real thing, if if it wasn't going to be Batista for me, talking about un- untapped potential, I think you have to really look at Triple H and his role in both Blade <laughs> Trinity and the Chaperone. If he had stuck with acting, I think he would probably be bigger than the rock or Batista right now in that field. We all know there's nobody in the world that does that's as good at what they do as Triple H, and nobody is. I'm just joking at this. point. I mean, with that, yeah, right? With the exception of Kerm, we, you know, the chaperone was a good preview of what to expect. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was not gonna hold you. He did what? Uh, hey, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I've never um, seen the chaperone. I'm lying. Never seen them all. I've never tried to. I've never, never seen it either. Well, but you know, never, never give up an opportunity to I got say something nice about Triple H. <laughs> they come quick, though. So. This is facts. Um, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Kaz. You got some plugs for us? Yeah, man. Wally Mania tickets go on sale today. Get them while they're hot. March 30th, the Novo, Los Angeles, California. Tons of surprise guests. Tons of fans. The biggest party of WrestleMania weekend. You're probably going to see us, too. We're still getting the, the, the details together. But you're probably going to see us do the Masked Man Show live at Wally Mania as well. We got some special guests coming out for that. So, please, you want to come kick it with us? want to tell me my trades are terrible? You want to give me your GM picks? You want to tell me my movie picks? We'll do it all in L.A. March 30th at the Novo in Los Angeles, California. WrestleMania weekend. The only way to start off WrestleMania weekend. You can find me here. You can find me on the press box. You can find me on the book of wrestling and watch and listen to everything, please, on the Ringer Wrestling Show feed. We got a show every day. Rosenberg had a huge, huge interview last Friday with Roxanne Perez. Always more to come. Always a lot of fun around here. Wednesday Worldwide featuring our guy Brian Waters. A must listen now, as is, of course, Cheap Heat and both the episodes that we do. So check that out. Get Better Jerry the King Lawler. Oh, rest in peace. Leaping Lanny Poffo. Apologies as always to John Moxley. We'll see you back here next week, Humanoids. Peace out.